G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Martin Niles is the Chief of Staff at the Australian Christian Lobby and he's joining me today on what just happens to be Canberra Day in the ACT. Martin, welcome along. Thanks very much, Tracy. Good to be here, even even on a public holiday. Yes, I know that a number of states have uh, a public holiday for various reasons. As we say, the ACT for Canberra Day and uh, Labor, Sta- Labor Day in a number of other states. It doesn't stop what's going on around the country, though, politically. There is still making headlines this issue of the Bali Nine and their impending executions. Now it seems that Indonesia have said they're waiting for all legal avenues to be explored. So uh, those two Australian men will remain incarcerated on Nusa Kambangan Island until that process is through. Yeah, that's right. Um, look, I, I'm, I, I'm not hopeful that anything is going to happen there, and I'm not sure that, that many are. I mean, it's up in the air, and it's a, a bit of a, it's a real tragedy, I suppose. Um, the good news story to come out of that... Um, from my readings, is uh, what appears to be the conversion of uh, uh, at least one of those inmates. I was reading of Andrew Chan and the work that he's doing in the church prison, and he teaches the Bible, and the extraordinary story, actually, of coming to faith uh, through his hardships there. Um, and, you know, uh, with the government, we believe that the government ought to be a, a symbol of righteousness and all the rest of it, but, um, you know, there is that real principle that there are. it is possible uh, to have redemption. It is possible uh, for people to be reformed and renewed. And uh, it seems like that's what's happened in this case. And so, you know, we can hope and pray um, that there is some progress there. But as you say, um, it's all up in the air, especially with the complex legal processes and just being dragged out. And, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a disaster, but um, we'll wait and see what happens in that case. That's right. And, of course, back home here, we're still looking down the barrel at the New South Wales state election. Uh, that will happen before too long. Sydney on the weekend hosted the uh, Mardi Gras. Yes. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, the New South Wales state election issue. We had um, we had a forum recently, actually, with with Premier Mike Baird and opposition leader Luke Foley. Um, both men spoke um, very openly about Christian faith, um, and that's a great thing. And I think um, particularly uh, significant that Australia, that um, New South Wales is currently looking for people of integrity because of the whole ICAC thing that's been going on. Uh, and it's been a great thing to have two Christian men step into the breach there uh, and be able to take up the baton and come across as men of integrity. And it certainly appears uh, that way. So we look forward to. Um, working with Luke Foley and Mike Baird uh, as opposition leader and premier, whichever way it works out, uh, in the next government. Luke Foley in recent times has said that he has changed his view on same-sex marriage, though. Yes, that's right. And uh, that is disappointing for us because he's been a long time... uh, For a very long time, he has not supported same-sex marriage, but he recently did change his position, so that's definitely significant for us. And... uh, very unfortunate, but the political pressure uh, at the moment on that particular issue is huge. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll continue to work with him and continue to lobby uh, him. And, you know, he's, he's very open. Uh, he's very able to be spoken to. So we shall do that. And we did see quite a bit of media coverage over the weekend on the issue of Mardi Gras. And in association with that, there was a television commercial that went to air. Talk to us about that. 
Yeah, so the Australian Marriage Forum, um, which is an organisation that does have uh, connections with ACL, um, recently put together a television ad which puts the best interests of the child at the centre of the marriage debate. And it talks about so-called marriage equality and it says, well, if you have marriage equality, then you end up with inequality for children because they end up in different uh, circumstances and they lose their right to, wherever possible, their mother and their father and the diversity of mother and father parenting and the stability of their own mum and dad. And so that ad is, uh, is a significant step and it was aired uh, on television over the weekend, actually, uh, around the times that the Mardi Gras was on uh, and we have had a lot of feedback, lots of positive feedback and lots of negative feedback uh, uh, because our name was linked with the Australian Marriage Forum and the Sydney Morning Herald, um, which is which is right. We do have some connections. Um, and also the Australian Marriage Forum reports the same, that there's been a lot of feedback and discussion. So we can only hope that uh, that, uh, that has some beneficial outcomes. I think those ads initially, didn't they, Martin, screen on SBS and now they're moving to the commercial channels? Well, actually, what happened there was the Australian Marriage Forum approached SBS uh, to run the ad and SBS refused uh, they said that they wouldn't run it. So um, there's an issue there, I suppose, of, of freedom of speech, actually. And, um, yeah, it's not. Uh, we're not entirely happy that they're able to do that and just to pick and choose the content they have and uh, to uh, stifle some political speech there. But uh, it did go on Channel 7 and Channel 9 in the end. And I do believe that it's online, too, for people who uh, want yeah. to go on and have a look at that. Now, the yeah, other- sure. Yeah, pardon me. The other issue that uh, was around earlier in the week was uh, Federal Treasurer Joe Hockey. He did release his intergenerational report. It's not the first time that we've heard him say that people will need to work longer and harder. Um, particularly, he was citing statistics showing that people are going to live longer and he's suggesting that we might all stay in the workforce uh, upwards of the age of 80. Yes. Look, isn't that difficult? I mean, um, you, you can look at the overseas situation um, in relation to uh, how pension entitlements and so forth are making it difficult for countries to pay their liabilities. Um, so, for example, in Europe, there's lots of promises been made to uh, older generations that are not yet funded because they're in the form of pension entitlements and so forth, and they're all ratcheting up and getting higher and higher. And it turns out these countries are discovering they may not be able to pay it all. And so you've got the government here saying we need to guard against this. But, of course, as you say, um, one of the things being said in re- relation to that is that people have to work for quite a long time uh, and have to remain in the workforce. And there's all kinds of practical difficulties around that. I mean, some people... Uh, I mean, we're finding that 50 and 60-year-olds at the moment are really struggling for placement in the workforce and to keep jobs and so forth because of cultural issues and all sorts. So, um, you know, that's that's a really, really difficult uh, area. So, I mean, I, I look forward to seeing what the government comes up with, but um, it, it certainly looks like uh, they've got their work cut out for them. Well, we've certainly seen the likes of the uh, Seniors Coalition come out and say that there does need to be a change of culture in employment circles for employers to view uh, those who are at the upper end of the age scale differently. But then the whole issue of of retraining and of people being able to keep up, I mean, you know yourself, uh, and I certainly do, what I can do now I I can't do as well as I could 20 years ago because, uh, you know, your body ages. That's just a fact of life, isn't it? Yeah, and look, that's that's exactly the issue. I mean, there's, there's those two sides of the situation where you've got an older generation who are um, good people and committed people and skilled people in many circumstances. And unfortunately, the cultural um, the cultural uh, situation is that those people can be struggled to be employed because of their age, but that's not necessarily a negative. And we do need to change that. But then at the same time, 
technology is changing at the same time. Um, there's a great pace of change in other areas, and so it can be difficult for them to retrench. It can be difficult for them to retrain. Um, and so it's just a whole basket of, of very difficult issues. Um, and I think that there needs to be a long and ongoing conversation about that. But I, I, I would trust and I think we all would hope that there can be a cultural change around the employment of people who are a little bit older. Well, Martin, if we're still talking in 20 years' time, we'll be able to look back on this conversation and see just how much things really have changed. Thanks for your time this morning. <laughs> Thanks very much, Tracy. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.